1: Another crazy midweek of Premier League action to digest on this week's Gag and We've got John Aloisi and Michael Bridges to do that. David Wiener with you once again to take you through it. Let's get straight into it because there is just so much to talk about. John Bridgie, I can't believe another week and just another set of absolutely bonkers results. I'm starting to think I'm starting to go mad, but it's not. The Premier League's just... So hard to keep on top of because the results are so up and down. John, Liverpool lost this morning to Brighton. What's going on?
2: Yeah, incredible. There's a stat out there. Liverpool against the bottom six. Seven points from a possible 21. So that just goes to show Liverpool are the new... Man United, you'd say, Bridgie, that Ooh, they- you get in trouble for that comment. <laughs> I, I know I'll get in trouble for that. Wow, we spoke about Man United being the, the team that struggles against the, the bottom sides because when they sit off, they can't break down that low block. It's been Liverpool this season, and uh, it's it, you know it's hard to put a finger on it. I can only go that the injuries haven't helped them at all this season because as much as we want to say Henderson's doing well at the back, they miss him in midfield, Bridgie. They miss that drive in midfield. And um, you know, I didn't expect them to not win this morning. I expected them to actually get all three points. But uh, you have to give credit to Brighton; they were good. What happened, yeah. Bridgie?
0: Do, do you know what it is? I was looking at the the stats John just mentioned there as well, and the goals that they've cons uh, sorry scored against the bottom six have been nowhere near. I think it was five or seven goals as well, John. That, if I'm correct, that they've they've scored in their matches, which is they would have put five past them in one game last season. Uh, the difference, that, like John says, they, you can't blame the the front boys because they are scoring and uh, creating chances and getting things. I just think the dynamics of being able to win that ball back with the high press of the players that are coming in behind, as we're used to seeing with um, the Klopp press, it just hasn't been there. They've looked a little bit disjointed and the players are looking a little bit weary. I think Klopp even admitted that. It's been a tough, a tough Christmas period. It's been a tough um, situation. I think they're just feeling the pinch and that comes to the injuries and the lack of numbers that they have at their disposal at this moment in time. So I do feel for them because, you know, they've hung in there early on, but it's Manchester City are just the shining light and they have everybody available at their, at their disposal for Pep.
2: Well, you think about their midfield last year. Majority of the time, it was Fabinho just sitting in front of the, uh, the defence. And then you're allowing him to, to break forward from that eight position, that attacking midfield. The same with Henderson. Henderson, yes, would drift around. But he also had that drive going forward. Whereas now, you know, you, you see the midfield one. Adam has to play as that defensive midfielder. He has to start the play. So you're missing that drive going forward. And you're right, Bridget, when you can't rotate as much uh, and, and you've got all these injuries that they've had from the start of the season, it, it catches up on you. Yeah. That's the difference between them and Man City this season. Man City had the injuries at the start. They've had the majority of their squad fit for the last two months. And um, and now you look at it and you think, well, they're unstoppable. The other thing I will say as well,
0: people always say out the front three, I've, I get asked this question quite a bit, John. I, I think I've asked you it as well before. Out that front three that we talked about, the Marnie, the Firmino and the Salah, I think it impacts Liverpool more when Marnie is not at their disposal, when Marnie does not start. I think his work ethic off the ball, uh, the play, he is a much more valuable player than the other two, I believe.
2: Yeah, I think that um, you're right. His work ethic is he starts the press a lot of the time. He also starts the counter press. So when they lose the ball up in that final third, he's the one that can, you know, win it back straight away or not even just win it back, put pressure on the defender that he gives away that ball into a player in the midfield. They missed him this morning. You could you could definitely see that. He's, um, you know, don't get me wrong, Salah's unbelievable. He scored the majority of their goals this season. But Mane does bring him that extra little bit with his work rate.
1: You've mentioned it before on this podcast, actually. It's not even that I miss Mane. It's Shaqiri instead of Jota. So that ability to shake things up in that front three is taken away from, from Jurgen Klopp. And um, you mentioned guys, and we'll touch on City Burnley and we'll touch on City Liverpool in just a second, but uh, City are now seven points clear. What everyone suspected would have happened today was that, you know, Liverpool would have got their three points and gone into that virtual grand final next week, just on the cusp of City and ready to really maybe take, you know, that classic six pointer and, and, and turn the table on the title race. Now you mentioned form, guys, and I just want to ask you though. Go back to this Anfield conundrum. Like they've gone nearly four years without losing there, and have gone back to back against Burnley and Brighton. What do you make of that, Bridgie? Also, just considering that in between those two games, they did go away and beat Spurs and West Ham. So you can't say it's like, you know, the form was that bad in the games preceding this.
0: It uh, was it. It's a tough one, Dave, but I think the way that Liverpool play with that lovely, expansive style under Klopp, where, when they're coming up against the bigger teams, they're not scared of Liverpool to have a go tactically. The, the top managers back their own philosophy and black how they're going to play. The bottom teams, however, will always, and you know when it's about survival, try and get numbers back behind the ball. And I just think Liverpool have kind of... <sighs> Being found out a little bit where the teams are dropping off. City have found a way to break them down and score goals and they've kept the clean sheet. And Liverpool just seem to have run out of a little bit of ideas because the, the stats do not lie. When you have only got seven points in 21 games, you are finding it tough against them teams. And they've again, it comes back to personnel not being able to change it up enough and have quality Coming off the bench when you need to change it up when things aren't going right for you, and they just haven't had the same dynamics. They've they've created. I mean, I think we talked a month ago. There was questions: Are the front three going to start scoring again? When you when you're creating seventeen chances in a game, yes, they will score at some point. But the well, I mean, the stats today against um, against Brighton were nowhere near what we're used to seeing for Liverpool. One shot on target. That's the worrying factor. Um, That they are, they they're getting, they're not exposing teams in the way they would like to. They're getting found out a little bit.
2: Now, this is no excuse uh, for Liverpool and uh, for Klopp, but uh, because every club is dealing with the same situation in terms of not having their supporters there, Hmm. but don't underestimate what Klopp does with the supporters when, when they're in the stand with the cop, um, when they're struggling a little bit, they're struggling to get that energy into the stadium. He, he lifts the supporters by himself, you know, with the way he is on the sideline. They haven't got that at the moment. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when players you're playing every three days, sometimes it is hard to get that motivation or that energy from somewhere. And, and usually the fans can give you that. And that's, I think has a little bit to do with their home form. It's not as good when they need the fans to give them that energy. They haven't got it,
1: and everyone's in the same boat, Bridgie. But Klopp did reference the mental fatigue. He did actually mention sort of exhaustion, and and he said, you know what, people are going to say it's an excuse, but but that's what it is. It, you know, that's yeah. so not that it's an excuse. That's the facts. Mentally, mental exhaustion, and at the top end, that little percentage just it, it, it all adds up.
0: Yeah, it does, and you start like when you start asking questions and doubting things, and the you know you're having meeting after meeting to try and work out the problems and all that. It can become a, it's it's draining enough for the coaching staff. Uh, you know, I've Johnny's been in coaching longer than I have, and it's it takes its toll. You're putting the hours in. You start doubting yourself. There's question marks, and you maybe maybe we try to overcomplicate it at times uh, and give too much information. Because I remember as a player when we were having a bit of a slump at Leeds United, we were top at Christmas. We had a real slump of form. And, you know, there was a lot more meetings taking, taking place and it, it did become very, very draining as to why. And we could not pinpoint it. And then obviously we had the incident in Galatasaray when we lost two of our fans, Kevin and Chris, sadly, they were murdered. Uh, that really affected us mentally. Um, and we, we were a young team that could not recover from that. That's not the same as Liverpool, obviously, the situation, but the, the questions, trying to get back the answers, where, where do they come from? The travel, the amount of games they having. Having. Liverpool, with reference it, do not have the squad depth that the other big teams have. And when you're travelling and you're doing that many matches, it becomes about the rest of the recovery and um, less analysis, Do we should we say.
1: I'll look forward to the City game in a moment. Just before we move on, it's been absolute remiss of us not to mention Brighton because you're going to have the massive post about Liverpool, but this has almost been coming for Brighton. They're now f- clean sheets on the bounce, which i am Given Matt Ryan's not there, probably you have to say, Graham Potter, I guess, deserves a little bit of, you know, respect for the fact he made that big call. And they have bounced back in terms of their clean sheets. Nine points from 12. They're now 10 clear of the bottom. Uh, Stephen Alzate's goal just before the hour mark really turns the tables. And I guess, John, is the reward for them for all the nice football they've been playing for probably 18 months and they're starting to see some rewards for it?
2: Yeah, their form is marrying with results now, and I think that's been—you uh, know—it's been coming. We all—he got questioned about a month ago, just over a month ago, by Glenn Hoddle. Does he have to change his philosophy? Does he have to actually def- defend more and play that ugly style of football? You know, give credit to Graham Potter—he stuck to his guns. He—he he, he still uh, believes in what he's doing. And now those two massive results against Spurs and now Liverpool. um, But, uh, you know, it's been coming because they play great football. They defend well in numbers. They get numbers behind the ball. But then when they attack, you see on their goal, they had four or five bodies in there. Mm. Now, that's good going. When you can get bodies in the box like that, you're always going to cause problems. There's a little deflection here or there, but that's because they've got bodies in there. And, uh, you know, I I like watching Brighton play. They he's very well respected by the top managers in in the Premier League. Uh, Klopp has uh, has come out and and said that as well, and so has Guardiola. So the Brighton deserve to to be in the position they're in now.
0: John, you know the other side of that what, exactly what you have said there. You you can see the development, you can see the progress, and he stuck by his philosophy, which is invaluable as a coach. And. What, I, what I've got to admire as well the man management to keep the players on board to see the results not happening, but to keep saying, listen, this is we are getting progress. This is, and the players have bought into it. They've stuck by it. They, I haven't heard anything coming outside of that camp where it has been all oh, the tactics. Yeah, we're hearing this and we're hearing that. They've kept it all in house. And that, that is a massive, massive credit to him and his and staff and for the players to just keep believing in the product that he's producing. they safe?
2: Yes. Mm. Yes, I think that they'll be safe. I, I, I do. I think that uh, they should have more points. Um, I know that everyone says you know the ladder doesn't lie, but uh, there was games there, you know, Bridgie, that they they should have won where they weren't getting the the, the right points, uh, and I think that. Um, Newcastle are the team that could be the one that drops down into that, you know, that bottom three in, in fighting in that position. But then again, Fulham and West Brom are getting points. The team that looks more informed than they could get out of it and the great escape would be Sheffield United. But they've got a lot of points to catch up. Yeah,
0: I think it was a massive month at Brighton. We discussed it two, uh, two months ago when we looked at the run of games that they were coming they had some teams in and around them that they had to beat and you know the last the last match against liverpool that Anything would have been a bonus out with that game for Brighton, but it was the matches around them before the Liverpool and the Tottenham victory that were the big ones. So these are massive bonus points that I think they have done enough, definitely, um, for the survival. And I, I feel for Matty Ryan in a way because he's gone and they've got the results. But I will tell you what, he's gone to a bigger and better club. Well, globally, he could be so playing.
2: He could be credit. playing now that uh, exactly it, it, the sending off the other day. And uh, I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about those two red cards. Well, in the we second. certainly <laughs> will.
1: We still, and we hope, we hope that with the racing the clock that Matt is fit for the weekend because yeah. is, this is the door that he was hoping would open for him. Not that you wish other players not well, but Bernd Leno did have a brain snap and now someone will come in for him on the weekend. Gents, Manchester City Burnley, a goals from Gabriel Jesus and Raheem Sterling supplied by Bernardo Silva for the first one and Nilkay Gundigan for the second. Uh, John, let's pay tribute to Pep Guardiola's side and how well they are playing. How, how good are they? <laughs>
0: Yeah,
2: You know what, uh, Bridget, you called it it before the season. Then you changed your mind. And now I'm sure you've got And then I went back. And I, I went back. Yeah, of John, have
1: you, noticed, have you noticed about 10 episodes of the Gagging have been deleted? They're gone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so what I will say is that uh, the people that question Guardiola should never question him. Because we know that in the past, what he's been able to achieve. The, the thing is, and how important it is to have your best players on the field now Van Dijk being out for Liverpool, massive loss. Yes, Klopp's not going to use that excuse because he hasn't got him for the whole year um, or the whole season. But uh, what a difference Diaz has made for Man City as soon as he come in. As much as Guardiola's football is brilliant to watch and they score goals and, you know, they dominate teams, defensively, they've been unbelievable. Diaz and Stones, and, and Guardiola came out this week and spoke about Diaz, Say so he's undroppable not only because of his defensive qualities and the, what he does with the ball, his organisation, his, his uh, communication out there. And that's what Van Dyke had. I remember we going to watch Liverpool against Barcelona and seeing Van Dyke just coach the whole time, coach on the pitch. And that's invaluable. When you've got a player out there that, that's virtually the coach, especially from the back, Bridgie, it makes a hell of a difference, and Man City—they don't look like they're going to lose any games. Thirteen wins in a in a row. They
0: not, not yeah, even, and have, and have was a, it two chances against them this morning? Not a shot on target. Not a
1: shot on target. Uh, Edison didn't have, have to play. He it didn't was, even have to play if he didn't want to.
0: Oh, it was. You know what I laughed at? I saw an amazing interview yesterday of Sean Dyche. Yeah, uh, and it was a press conference. So if any of the listeners get a chance to watch Sean Dyche's press on conference the
1: Twitter, Twitter feed. You'll yeah. find it. It's blowing up. There's about 100,000 views on it. You will find it. No problem.
0: I cracked up. He's talking about Lucky Like is on holiday with his family, other people that he looks like. And it, I'm just thinking. It was it was great to watch, but I'm just thinking this guy is just smoke-screening everything because he does not want to talk about the game coming up against Manchester City because he knows they are gonna get absolutely smashed. And that is how it panned out. But I just loved seeing a normal side of a manager where you you felt like he was sharing his family what what it basically was what him and his family do and chat about and have a laugh and I just thought it was really really nice to witness and how the journalists bought into it as well yeah. that we actually interviewing him so I well,
1: got a sense of humor every now and then the journalists what was yeah. the best what was the best away game uh that you can actually say on a public podcast game that you played on the road
0: what what do you mean Well,
1: Looky Likey. Did you play Looky
0: Likey? Oh, Looky Likey. Oh, yeah, we used to play loads of Looky Likeys. The boys used to say, I look like the guy off um, Popeye. There was a little character called the Goon. (laughs) <laughs> there was there was, ol- there was olive oil there was bluto and there, there was popeye you remember the cartoon popeye and there was a little character called the goon and he was just this gangly horrible creature that had a massive whopping nose so i was known as i was known as the goon yeah so we, we always used to play looky like it was great
1: there must have been all sorts of things you had to do on on away trips just to keep things uh keeps things sane i guess
0: well, I tell you, yeah. Well, the, the funniest one we we used to wind up was um, Steve Oguzovic of um, Coventry City Football Club, <laughs> the goalkeeper. Foggy,
2: yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we used
0: to, yeah, we, we used to call him the Rocky Horror Show man because he was <laughs> he was the ugliest man in football.
2: The nicest man in football, though, Bridgie. I oh. will say that. The nicest man. You've got to be when you say. look like that, John, because you,
0: you've got to be thick-skinned.
2: It was funny. I think it was at Gary McAllister's house after the season. We we'll, were we'll celebrating the you know survival again at Coventry, as you do. And Steve Grizovic, um, yeah, probably not the prettiest guy in the world, Richie, but he was having red wine and his teeth turned all black. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of the funniest things to see. Oh um, man. Uh, A
0: couple of the boys used to always say to Grzegovic in the tunnel when he turned around and looked at them, they're like, oh, he's trick or treat." Just to say it was Halloween, man. He it was, it was easy to wind off. Uh, well, top I, guy. I,
2: I,
1: if he, I hope he's got a good sense of humor and a thick skin because if that's what you're saying here... know he, yeah. he had to have.
2: He had to have. Because he copped it from all angles. <laughs>
0: oh, oh dear.
1: Now, back to normal business. John, you mentioned that um, how important having your key players are. But we have to have a caveat that Pep Guardiola has achieved this recent run. And to add to that, haven't conceded in six and have only conceded one in nine... Aguero, De Bruyne, I mean, come on. He's doing this without them.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, th- of course he's doing it without them. But uh, I-, I still think that uh, when you got your players at the back, and I spoke about it already, the- their leaders, their coaches out there, and and also in midfield, yeah, I think that's in- that goes a long way. Uh, I think you can always interchange players up top. You can always take in uh and take out players. But I think at the back is very hard. That's why coaches don't like to mess around with players at the back. They, they very rarely will change their back four or very rarely will change their back five unless you're playing untold amount of games like City and, and uh, alike with, with the cup games that they've got. But the most important games are usually in there. Whereas Guardiola has always rotated these front players. Yeah, De Bruyne has been a big loss, but Gundogan is, is actually stepped up and actually mm, in that attacking time. midfield position... He's really shown what he can do with goals and, and another assist this morning.
1: Is, oh. is he the most um, un- possibly underappreciated player in the league just because he's actually got such phenomenal pedigree? It's taken a little while for him to sort of take center stage, but now that he has, he's caught a few people by surprise?
2: Yeah, a little bit. I don't think he's ever caught you know, the football lovers know what yeah. he's capable of doing, and, and but now his stats are actually really showing what to, he, he gives to City. And, and what I mean by that, the, the goals he's scoring and uh, the assists, because he, he looks like a player that doesn't really, it doesn't look like he's going to hurt you because, you know, his body, he's, he, he doesn't look quick. He doesn't look overly skillful, but he just does everything good all the time, if you know what I mean. He's, he's one of those players that you, he must be so intelligent on the football field. But you also see it in interviews. He's an intelligent mm. player. He's an intelligent person. So I'm sure Guardiola can ask him to do a job in any position and he'll be able to do it. Do you
0: know there's somebody else that I used to think, how does he play that many games? And that mm. was the was at Juventus was Kadira, the German yeah. guy and midfielder. Yeah, I just used to think, eh, he, he seems to play every single game. The game drifts by him. But when you actually break his game down on an individual level, the stuff that he can do without the ball, the leadership, it, it he's... No wonder he's a sought-after player, and um, that's he's a very similar does a similar role for what um, John just talked about with City. Yeah, he just moved to Earth of Berlin, actually, on deadline day. Yes, so he did.
1: Yes, yeah, so he's going to get some game minutes now after sort of falling down the picking order um, at Juventus. Now, looking forward to this game. I mean, absolute. It doesn't get bigger than Liverpool against City, 3.30 a.m. Monday, 8 February, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. And obviously, it's back at Anfield. Liverpool need to score a goal at Anfield. They need to pick up points again at Anfield. They need... To win, well, I'm going to actually pose, I'm not going to make a statement, I'm going to pose this. Do they need to win to keep the title race alive, John and then Bridgie?
2: Yes, they need to win to keep the title race alive. Robinson came out after the game and said, we're not in the title race. Mm, that was interesting. At I've never moment,
0: heard, yes. I, I wonder how that's going to go down with the, with the stuff. is that?
2: Was, yeah, I don't think well, they'd be happy with that. Well, well, well Klopp actually virtually said it uh, a couple of games ago, Bridgie. He said that uh, if we make the um, Champions League top four, we'll be happy. That's that's our goal this season. And, and I think what he's trying to do is take the pressure off. Of that, course. You know, we're, we're not in the title race. And I think that's what Robinson's trying to do. We're, look, they believe they can beat City. Don't, don't tell me that those players there haven't got that... Uh, that motivation to go and and knock off City that haven't lost in 13 games.
0: John, I bet it's the first time in a while there's a few of them players looking at the form of City, looking at the bench of City and looking at their own squad and just thinking, do you know what it is? This could be, there'll be a few of them questioning that and I don't like to say that, but I I reckon there will be a few of them thinking that it's done and dusted.
2: Uh, Yeah, but I, I actually think Liverpool win this game I've got a feeling that Liverpool will, will uh, cause an upset. And we, we we say upset because City are being in such good form and Liverpool being in indifferent form. But I think it will suit Liverpool a lot more uh, yeah. playing against City that open up. I think with the pace of uh, well, Salah, hopefully Mane will play. Uh, I'm pretty sure he will. Uh, I think they'll hurt the City defenders. And uh, they've always caused... It, it, Liverpool side and a Klopp side has always caused problems to a, a Guardiola side, and um, and I think they'll be able to cause City problems and get the win.
1: And just to clarify something you said earlier, John, when you when you joke that they're the new Manchester United, what you, what you mean by that was almost a reference. To, to that prediction in yeah, that they prefer supporters
2: yeah. don't, don't start
1: abusing don't me that that, I think. That. We,
0: that won't go out as a quote graphic on the Optusport socials can, I, can, can, we I can put assure up, you can we put that on Instagram because I'm no. sure we're going to see John's Insta followers go down it, that, that'll help get him some comments don't worry yeah, about that yeah, but yeah, what that. you
1: mean by that I suppose is, mean, that, is that yeah they prefer against the big teams you're not concerned about you know yeah that that's kind right of got breaking that's, down yeah
2: yeah exactly when, when you see uh, the, um, the way that uh, Liverpool played against Spurs, which Spurs came out in this game, unlike a Mourinho sort of team. Uh, uh, you know, they came out and tried to press Liverpool, put them under pressure, and that sort of suited Liverpool. And, and I think the same will happen with the City. Uh, City's not going to sit off. They don't know how to sit off. City are going to go out there and, and play their style of football, and that will play into Liverpool's hands. Whereas this season, not last season, this season, Liverpool have struggled with the bottom six, where teams have that deep line block, get numbers behind the ball, they're finding it hard to break them down.
1: Bridget, you mentioned how much they've missed Henderson in midfield, but this is too soon to throw one of the um, emergency signing sort of centre-backs, Ben Davies or Ozan Kabak. Uh, how long till they come into the, the picture here?
0: Well, I, I mean, it's it's... Or is it too soon? I think it is too soon, yes, um, but the, the quality that you get with Klopp, it depends how he wants to embrace them. We've seen players come in the past where Klopp has given them a bit of time, especially the midfielders, for the energy levels he demands. Um, can they be that that physical fitness that he is after? um will he throw them in i don't think you would throw them into such a big game dave i think if it'd been a lesser team we might have seen one of them in there but i think he's going to rely on the players that understand and have been there and been brainwashed or shouldn't say brainwashed sorry bought in to what he what the tactics are and what is what is required to be a liverpool player under Jurgen Klopp i think it's too too soon for them um for one i think they'd feel the pressure of joining liverpool and for two, playing against a Manchester City, um, knowing how big the game is, it's, I think it would be too much of an ask for them.
1: John, just to round out on City, because you know it was only a matter of months ago we, we joked about Bridgie changing his tip, but so many of us did think that whilst the latter was deceiving, that they, were, that they were nowhere near their best. Can you talk us through the process that Guardiola undertook to get to this point? And, and off the back of that, if he goes on to actually win this Premier League, What an achievement that is in the context of his career, given that it's almost like he's rebuilt at the time that normally he's actually probably exhausted and moved on.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Look, I think the actual uh, process that he would have gone through, he wouldn't have changed what he was trying to do in terms of his football being played. I think he was getting those plays um, back from injury, the majority of his squad getting fit. Because what happens when you have a lot of injuries, and we haven't spoken about this yet, is that training intensity goes down um, because the quality isn't the same. You know, you, you, you can't replace a Van Dyke not only on the pitch, but also in training. So he, he would lift everyone else in training. And then you've got players that on the second 11, as you, you know, how you play those, uh, those 11 v 11 games, or even the, the, the medium sized game 7v7, the quality's there, the quality's a lot higher. So then when your intensity and your quality in training is at that level, it automatically carries over in the game. So you know, when you're talking about then having your academy players always training with you, the quality is not quite the same. So I think that's been a big thing for City is they got their players back fit, majority of them, not all of them. Um, and uh, I spoke about Diaz before. He's, he's been the perfect signing for Guadiola. Guardiola is a top coach, but he also needs top players out there. And they've got top players out in that pitch. Cancelo's been that, you know, he's, he looks a new player. Um, Stones, we haven't spoken about him. He looks a new player.
0: Johnny, J.A., sorry, talking about John Stones. That's another thing I I respect about Pep Guardiola. This was a man that found himself on the outer at City in Stones. Uh, You know, he, been absolutely fantastic when he when he first arrived for a few games and he just found the wilderness. Pep's you know Pep's gone back and he's kept kept faith in him. He's kept using him, looking at him and training, and he's realised that John Stones has got his, his his quality back and he's given them that opportunity. A lot of managers would have just put him in an outcast at him. So again, that's a player. I think that spreads, um, what am I looking for? What's the word? It's It spreads something inside the the football club for other players, knowing that if you are performing, you're not on the outer, you're not forgotten about, you're not on the shelf. That's huge.
2: Yeah, exactly right, Bridgie. I think that just it shows that uh, Pep doesn't have favourites. What he wants is a player who's performing in training, uh, he'll give him another opportunity. And it's your... Uh, it, it's up to you whether you take that opportunity or not. And I think that's that will end up rubbing off on the other players where they think they might be on the outer. And this is where, and, and I don't know the ins and outs of what happened with Frank Lampard, but you see uh, Marcus Alonso, he was on the outer, completely on the outer, didn't think he was going to get another opportunity. And under Frank, he probably wouldn't have. Yeah. He probably would have mm-hmm. had to go. Whereas- but John, he looked like he looked after himself. Yes. Mm. He only came back for that
0: first game. So again, it's almost favouring Tuchel and the players that he's kind of, that Frank has put on the
2: outer. It doesn't go well in the dressing room, does it? Yeah, no, it doesn't go well because when you see a player performing in training, uh, you think they're going to get their opportunity again. And obviously, uh, that's what happened with John Stones. He, yeah. he, Guardiola wouldn't have thrown him in if he wasn't performing in training, or wasn't uh, one of the best in training every day. And we, we spoke about it uh, a couple of weeks ago about Azani. If you're not playing, be the best in training. Mm. Show the, the coach that you want to play. And uh, and I think most coaches would actually give an opportunity to someone that's you know by far the best in training.
0: Dave, I don't upset your club, Chelsea, but I did say to you when Frank was looking after the young players because they couldn't do the transfer, he was on a, a really good thing. The trouble with the man management experience or inexperience was going to come with all them egos. I've seen it before when you get superstar players, that flooded dressing room. Did that happen with David O'Leary
2: to- a little bit, Bridget?
0: It didn't happen with David O'Leary as much, mate. He he wasn't bad with that. It was afterwards. It was when we had Peter Reed yeah. come in. So, Peter Reed was used to getting the best out of players from young uh, lesser divisions yeah. to make them feel like they could be and compete with them teams by, you know, drilling it into them that it was going to be a hard game and you've got to give 100%. And he got the best out of youngsters like myself. But when I witnessed him coming after O'Leary and Terry Venables to. Leeds United, when you're having to deal with your Harry Kewls and your Mark Vidukas and all these, the egos, the 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 rub in the the fight, the conflict, it was just plain for all to see. And I think that I always said that Dave that that would be Frank Lampard's toughest thing as a young manager, being able to handle all them superstar players, um, because they've worked under world class managers, mm. and they're coming in and the kind of, you know when they smell blood and they see a little thing of people on the outer. Oh man, it's dangerous. We've
1: digressed slightly, but I mean it, it's sorry. very interesting. No, no, it's very interesting because you know you look at the way Marcus Alonso kissed the badge when, or not pointed to the badge, sorry, when he scored, and and he's come in and hasn't been seen since September, and looks in red hot form. Yeah, uh, Antonio Rudiger as well, and some of the other players that were on the outside. Um, it tells you a lot, and and we're only speculating from the outside, but you, you, it's hard not to join the dots, isn't it?
2: Yeah, look, and this always happens, though. When a new coach comes in, uh, he says, all right, everyone, we've got a clean slate here. I don't know what was happening in the past. I don't care what's happening in the past. The ones that perform the best in training and the ones that perform the best in games are going to play. And so, you know, all of a sudden, you get a new lease of life if you're a player that was on the outer. So, look... Let's not criticise Frank too much. We don't know the ins and outs, but um, I I think that Tuchel has read the script here. He Mm. knew what Mm. was happening. He knew he had to do something different and uh, even changing it back to a a back five or back three, if you want to say that. And and what he's done with uh, Hudson-Odoi is is brilliant. Like playing him as right wing back, and, uh, and, and making sure that uh, you know, he gives him the confidence as yeah. well because he was one of those players that didn't really play regular football under Frank, but uh, I wouldn't have thought that he would have played at right wing back. Yeah. What, what a decision that is. What, that's, that's the vision that uh, Tuchel has got to be able to play someone in a position that he's never used before.
1: And that's that classic change-up, isn't it? Of I'm going to come in and I'm just going to do something just a little bit different or very different here, yeah. and it's going to just show straight away new era new era. yeah.
0: it can go horribly wrong early doors but he got that
1: one spot on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're in a bit of preview mode at the moment and it's i tell you what i tell you how you know the fixtures are coming thick and fast when we're in between previewing tottenham and chelsea and liverpool versus manchester city they're in the space of four days but they're two different match weeks if you can get your head around that congratulations um so what i'll do is i'll quickly get your tips for liverpool city and then i'll get your tips for tottenham against Chelsea. So Liverpool City first. Um, I'm just going from top of the screen to bottom of the screen. So I'll go to you first, John, and then then to you, Bridgie. And then we'll go to the other game.
2: I won't speak for too long because I already mentioned it. I'm going to go Liverpool. I know that uh, everyone will expect City to win. The form they're in, they they look unbeatable. But I think Liverpool will give everyone a lease of life and talking about the ones that are chasing City um, and get that win and stay involved in that uh, title race.
0: Well, I'm going to go the other way, John. I am going to go for Manchester City. Si- Manchester City. Sorry, I didn't have my microphone <laughs> on there. I'm going to go for Manchester City and go the other way. I think they'll get the result over Liverpool. And I was just looking at the benches. I've, I've talked about the quality. When I looked at Liverpool's bench, I didn't see too many impact players. And I looked at Manchester City, sorry over Liverpool, and I just saw a lot of a lot of quality still in there defensively and um, in that midfield area as well. So I'm going to take them, and I'm not going to talk much about Tottenham Chelsea because I don't want to. Because Chelsea got a new manager, the players look like they're refreshed. Tottenham players look worn out. They're upset that Harry Kane is not there. They've run out of ideas, and Mourinho's tactics have back to where we started. So yeah, good win for Chelsea.
1: Do you know what? There's actually very little more to say than that because there couldn't be a game, and we won't talk too much because you might be listening to this after the game is played anyway, but there couldn't be a game, John, that you know actually more exactly how it's going to set out unless Mourinho literally shocks everyone and turns his tactics books upside down and finds something from 1999. Um, it, you know, Bridges just summed it up. Like, is anything is anything going to change tomorrow?
2: No, I don't think so. I think uh, what Bridgie said will be spot on. You, you'd expect Tottenham to sit off um and, and try and make it hard for Chelsea and Chelsea will dominate under Tuchel he's uh, he's shown already his his colors that uh, he he wants to dominate the opposition with the ball um he talks about regaining the ball in the final third as soon as they lose it in that final third how many times they regained it i heard that uh, when it, against wolves that you know i was happy because we we won the ball 16 times back in that final third and and that was interesting to hear what he's still saying is that we lack that, we lack that precision uh, in the final third. That The strikers aren't—they haven't got as much confidence as what he would like, especially Werner. Um, but he goes, he's a striker. He goes, of course he's going to sulk when he's not scoring. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's what a striker does. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it.
0: Is Bale back with a bang? Hat trick, whatever. Sadly, I think I can see Bale, Tottenham fail with Bale again. <laughs> All right, I'm taking tomorrow off, Bridget. I'm just clicking onto
1: the roster here. I'm just putting you in on it. You're on at 7am tomorrow. <laughs> There's your headlines.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Very good. Unfortunately, I think you're right. Oh, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think that's what everyone is going to be looking for. Um, just a, a, a quiet word to sum up um, the, the impact Tuchel has made. He's He's Given everyone a look in the first two games, but how long would you, can he go sort of experimenting at this point where the stakes are so high for Chelsea to bridge that gap to the top four? How long has he got to quickly decide, all right, I've seen what I need to see and I need to now settle on something
0: or, or otherwise? Uh, I think John's best suited for this question because he's been in management with, with clubs where you've got to settle in, you've got to get the players and get to know them ASAP tactically physically and obviously mentally and, and build relations with him. But now I think because of where Tuchel has been and what he's done, it shouldn't take him too long. But I still think he's got a couple of couple of weeks of, of testing and, and trialling and rotation. And it, it's nice when you've got a squad that Chelsea do in that kind of depth. Um, you can't do much rotation and changing with Liverpool at this moment in time. City can, Chelsea can, they've got a luxury. And Tottenham to a degree can a little bit. Um, But yeah, I, I think a few more weeks for him. Johnny? Yeah, I think,
2: I think Tucker will, will uh, now pretty much know who he can rely on. I, I think that uh, it, it, it will happen that quick, Bridgie. Of course, you know, that the games come around thick and fast, so he's going to have to rotate a little bit because you can't play every single player in every game. But I think that he'll have a settled back three, if you like, Um and then i think his midfielder, he's already shown his colors with Jorginho. i think he'll play him as a as a defensive midfielder and and kovacic he's he's, put, he's kept faith in him already mm. and i think they'll be his two midfielders i think that um he obviously knows them well enough he's he's seen chelsea play and um, the only thing is that he'll see them close up in training and, and who takes to his tactics quick quickly and then I think in the front line we'll, we'll see the most rotations I think there he won't have a settled starting uh, 11 because this is what happened at uh, PSG he used to chop and change quite a bit especially up front um, you know Di Maria will be in and out a uh, Neymar will be a given and Mbappe, but, uh, you know, Icardi and, and those sorts of players will be in and out. So I think he'll still do that with Chelsea.
1: If you're interested in a little bit more on Thomas Tuchel, I'll have a, a feature piece out a little bit uh, later by the time you listen to this podcast. I spoke to uh, Robbie Thompson, who you might remember from yep. the days we used to call the A-League in Australia. He now works as PSG's English-based speaking um, journalist. And uh, he interviewed Thomas Tuchel from his very first interview at PSG multiple times a week through to his sacking. So some really interesting insight from him. you're better to read a little bit later on about the man that he was um, and how we tried to bring together such a big and powerful club and all the uh, elements around it. So uh, keep an eye out for that one if you want a little bit more. Um, gents, running through the rest of the fixtures that we've been through in a very, very busy week, uh, Leeds went down at home to Everton with uh, Sigurdsson and Calvert lewin scoring the goals there. Um, good to see Carvert-Lewin back on the board for his 12th goal No, of the it wasn't. But his first in nine games, straight down the barrel here, Bridgie, on the Gang of Pod. Um Fulham, Leicester. Leicester, Preval, Inacho, and Madison got them to a 2-0 win. And Villa against West Ham... West Ham just keep on going. And it was the Jesse Lingard show, the first player to score a brace on debut for the club since Trevor Sinclair in 1998. Um, Just throwing it open to you guys to take your pick out of what else caught your eye through that uh, Thursday morning's action.
2: Well, Olsen caught my eye for Everton. Yeah. You know he triple he save was, he, the saves that he was pulling off. You think that uh, look Pickford he, he can make saves as well. Let's, uh, don't get me wrong, but uh, uh, I'm just wondering does does Ancelotti start to go and, and stick with one goalkeeper, Bridgie, and and go with Olsen and give him that belief and and stick with him because Pickford's always do he, he always seems to make a mistake. You know that costs you a goal. I know keepers. You know, once they make a mistake, it is going to cost you. But um, he does it too often for my liking, and and I think I think with Olsen, you know, he's more reliable. It was a
0: big statement, a big statement, and you know he's come in there. He's done a job, and Pickford does. You know, if if they've got the result, does Pickford deserve to come back in? No, he's so. I think I think he's going to have a little bit of a, a spell on the sideline, and it's not good when you think about the the Euros coming up as well mm-hmm. at the end of this season. You need to be playing, so um, no, not a good time just after the January window to find yourself sitting in limbo, uh, in the other goalkeeper having a, putting in a great performance. So, Wolf, watch this space. Nice mm-hmm. little, nice
1: little battle. Yeah, the goalkeeper narrative is a big one. It's always a big one in England, but I feel like every time um, one of us on Optusport goes, goes on that Premier League Today show out of the UK, Bridgie, and Pickford's come close to a mistake or made a little bit of an error, they want to talk about it. it oh, it's, they're it, desperate. It, it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah,
0: and they even bring the word calamity back into it. So he's right on yeah. the holster over there. And it's the the English media. They love this. It's an English player. You know, they, they will hound them, Dave. And it's been a massive thing in the past, not just recently over a long period of time that the English national managers have actually said to the, to the journalists, can you just buy into our product? Because the only, the only manager that seems to have been able to handle all the media to get the, get the media spinning good things about their national team, to get the, the whole of the UK to buy in to what they are doing was Bobby Robson. And we had an amazing World Cup under with Gary Lineker, Chris Waddle and, you know, Paul Gascoigne when he cried against Germany. That The whole country seemed to get, you know, behind them without this animosity of them just looking for something. And especially of recent times, they, they, they've just been hounding the players and just looking for every little inch to bring them down. And it really hurts me. And Pickford's one of them that has suffered. Keepers do make mistakes, but it's magnified to a, to a massive degree um, because he's an England
2: national.
1: Good to see Jesse Lingard though uh, back playing and scoring straight away. A change can just be everything sometimes, can't it, John?
2: Yeah, yeah, and and uh, Oli actually said it. He said he wants him to get that uh, a bit of freshness back, and and hopefully he goes to West Ham and and performs well, and then we can take him back, and he's full of confidence again. So Lingard needed that change. He needed that, uh, and he's gone into a team in good form. So that, that makes a, a big difference as well. So the pressure's not on him to perform. And uh, he ended up performing by scoring two goals. But, uh, you know, you've got Suchek that's been in great form mm. coming from midfield. They, they, they Defensively, they look good. West Ham going forward looked dangerous all the time with Antonio, with uh, uh, Bowen. I, I just think the way they play, they're going to really push, really push for European position this year. And um, all credit has to go to Moyes. I had my doubts at the beginning of the season, but gee, he's turned this club around, hasn't he?
1: Absolutely. Up into fifth, very hard to beat. And going to Villa, who are really competitive in every single game they play, that is a tremendous result. i tell you, you weren't competitive, Bridgie. Poor old Southampton. Did you feel for them <laughs> against Manchester United or did you enjoy Manchester United's performance? How did you see this with a poor old 19-year-old? Yeah. Oh, sent off before he's even had a touch of the football. Or 19-year-old.
2: Or stupid 19-year-old. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yes,
0: exactly. Stupid. Well said, John. Stupid. Oh. An absolute brain stab. Do you know what it is? He felt the pressure at Old Trafford in front of no fans. That's how nervous he was. <laughs> he did not even touch the ball yet. Absolutely. Yeah, that is a coach killer. And do oh. you know what it is? When, when you saw that so early, I'm thinking it's game over anyway. But uh, When, when the last, what was it, 10 minutes of the game, it was just an onslaught. I really did feel sorry for him because I think of all the hard work that Hassan Huttler has done since that Leicester result. And he's thinking, please, no. Not again. It and they tried
1: tried 9-0. 9-0 had just disappeared from being oh, something
0: everyone referenced every five minutes. They tried everything. Now, I had I had um, Bruno Fernandes as my captain this week in fantasy football. So when they got the penalty, I was delighted because I thought, you know, it's double points for me. But I felt for the decision, man, because they oh. should never have had another player sent
2: off. It it's, was it's, a shambles. So, look... Let's not take anything away from man United because I thought they were really good, especially look, it's not easy to play against ten men, especially so early. I think it, it, it sometimes it's really hard to break a, a team down that sits deep even with ten men. but um, the way they shifted the ball, the, the confidence that they, they're playing with now, especially their fullbacks, I think Shaw's been uh, a different player this yeah. season. you know in oh, fit does he look now? Oh, yeah, yeah. I he said looks... he
0: was like one of the McDonald's chicken nuggets running around with a pair of football boots on last year. <laughs>
2: he looks fit as again. He does. He looks good. Good delivery. Uh, Wan-Bissaka, also good delivery into the box. They were getting... So they were attacking in those wide areas, mm. getting bodies into the box, and uh, and Southampton didn't know how to deal with it. But referee, mm. what are you doing with that decision with Martial? It was clearly a dive, and you... Uh, he... Didn't see it live. Then you go to the VAR and you still get it wrong and have a bit of a feel about the game. It's 6-0. You know, seriously, did you need to rub salt into the wounds even I'm more? I'm
0: telling you, I'd be checking his betting account. He, he oh. had something on that game, I'm <laughs> telling you. That was dodgy as.
2: I felt so sorry for the Southampton players, the coach, the, everyone involved in Southampton because it, it's it's another 9-0. Um, the only positive about that, Bridgie. He knows how to rebound from that.
0: Yes. Because he's been there before. Correct, John. <laughs> yeah. you, you know when you can tell it's a bad decision? I love it when you see the cameras that are at the game. And you, it went onto the Southampton bench and the manager when you saw the red card be given. And they started laughing. But then it goes to the Manchester United bench. And there's a few of the players on the Manchester United bench having a chuckle going, <laughs> how is that even possible? <laughs> well, That's when you know he's made a fundamental error. Well,
1: Ole Gunnar I said it wasn't a penalty. Jan Bender. Talking fantasy, Bridget, you got minus seven points in that game because he also scored an own goal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and poor old Please Ralph tell me you had him in your team.
1: <sighs> no. If,
0: no, no, I,
1: well, that's because I, uh, there's so many games I keep missing the damn deadline. <laughs> um, but um, Raphausenhudel, we saw how happy he was when they beat Liverpool. Tears of happiness, the very close to tears in this post-game interview, and he said, "Actually, the worst part of the game was just Benneret getting sent off because I don't have any players left." And that's how sort of their injury crisis is going. Yeah. It was it was a really emotional um, post-game press conference there. But yeah, sorry, I'll, go on, John. You want to-
2: Yeah, I really feel for him because they they're playing with a lot of their academy players. Mm-hmm. They've, they've got so many injuries. He's just struggling to to deal with it in in terms of the, the whole situation. He's a great coach. They, they, they're a good side. They were getting good results. But the last four games, they've obviously, obviously lost four on the trot mm. because they've got no players. Mm. Um, but what about the journalist? Now, Dave, you're a journo, a trained journo. Can he come up with a better question after the game? How do you feel? How do you feel that? What a question that is. How does he think he felt? I think it was his first day on the job, the journalist. <laughs> Uh, but it, what a great answer he goes superb how do you think it was a God, brilliant answer <laughs> some Bridget-
0: questions deserve dumb answers and the no. other, the other start so out, Bridget,
1: how like, do you feel about how do you think about Manchester United's performance then?
0: <laughs> oh yeah absolutely outstanding it's like John says it's tough to find a way to break teams down and do that you do it in training um if you're playing against you know the The two backs of four, you get the eight in, you try and break them down. It is very, very difficult. At Manchester United, you found a way very easily. I'll never forget a training session we were doing at the Newcastle Jets. Casey Wehrman was in the the midfield. We had Branko Kalina as the manager and we were doing a shape 11 v 11 and we were playing against the 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 seconds and some of the youth team players in there for the first, first grade. And Casey Wehrman, after 10 minutes, we were getting absolutely dominated. And Casey Wehrman's gone, we've only got 10 players. Is he taking the piss? Is Branko kidding? We've only got 10 players. So Casey's gone, hey, Gaffer. He said, Branko, we've only got 10 players. You're missing somebody in our team, man. I've got nobody playing alongside me. And this is how quick managers can re. Branco went, hmm, yeah. Yes, just in case we get somebody sent off at the weekend. You know, we'll do it against 11. Am I going? you got to be kidding me, mate. He didn't even have the right amount of players on the park for us. And he's given us crap for getting dominated by the seconds. And it was his fault that we had 10. Maybe Hassan Huttel can do that in his next training session. Just have the 10 on the park and see how they go.
1: Well, that's probably you can probably uh, improvise quicker with that answer than uh, the, the one A-League coaching um, uh, session I've heard about where he lined up the tactics board with 12 players and then couldn't figure out why they kept getting overloaded in the front three. <laughs> <laughs> <The> name <laughs> shall not be revealed. Um, uh, John, you mentioned the refereeing. We've got to touch on it quickly, and it's a way to touch on that and David Louise later on. I'll tell you what, Southampton have put an appeal in never to have Mike Dean referee them. Arsenal have put an appeal in to have David Louise's suspension uh reduced uh after that. Can you talk us through any sense of those two incidents? Because I watched it all day yesterday. And I know the rule says that if you don't make a clear attempt to play the ball, you can get sent off. But it looked like Ben Nurek was trying to get out of the way. And louise he's probably cunning enough that he did do something, but
2: its is it a red card? Well, Ben Derrick's definitely wasn't a red card. I don't think that was even a penalty. So I think that Southampton have got all the right to be upset about that one. The the Arsenal one is, is a tricky one because... Look, the rule is if you're not playing at the ball and you foul someone, it's it's an actual automatic red if they're on in a goal scoring position. Um, I felt for Louise because I don't think that uh, he obviously didn't mean to. He just clipped him, um, so it was a penalty. But do they really need to give double double jeopardy? Do they really yeah. need to yeah. send him off in that position? I think they need to sort of sort out that rule or have a feel for the game and go look. He didn't pull him back. He didn't go to trip him. It was accidental. Yes, it's a penalty, but it's not a red card. That's what I would like to see. But let's not um, try and sugarcoat things. Now, I know Arteta after the game saying he didn't see the trip or whatever else. How come he was in that one on one position? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. two minutes before half time or, or just before half time where Arsenal were completely dominating. Should have been 3-0 up by that stage, but he was in one-on-one position and he uh, and gave him the opportunity to actually have a goal. And, uh, and, you know, in the end, it was unfortunate for Luis, but uh, they shouldn't have even allowed him in that position in the first place.
1: What's more than that is, yeah, they're refereeing. I mean, I think it's about the rules as much as the interpretation of them as anything. Shay Evans, Shay Adams, sorry, in the Manchester United game as well. You know, offside by the fact that he didn't go visit his, uh he didn't get his nail clipped that morning and his, and his and he had a bit of a long nail.
0: Where, where do these guys that are doing the lanes, Where, I think they they've gone to Mister Squiggle's Mr. school Squiggle. of um, it drops. is Mister <laughs> Squiggle. It's they gone back to the old ABC the play school and decide, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two on top of each other or just uh, whatever. It's,
1: I think. Does does football have to adapt to the fact that we've got the VAR now? We've had these few years, and it's a matter of like, okay, we know now. It's like in tennis, the umpire can't give an ace because he liked the serve, but it was just a little bit wide, and our offside at the moment, we've decided that it is black and white, so they don't they don't have a choice. But do we almost have to look at all these different mechanisms we have now and go, well, okay, if it's so ridiculous that you're taking a goal away for someone like Chay Adam, who was literally a fingernail offside do we have to look now what we want the bear to look for because he's only doing his job right now do we have to look at things like okay we're good to, it's got to be a clear arm or it's got to be your foot is what's more important like is that what it's almost come to now same with the hand borrow, same with what we just talked about double jeopardy we just need some damn clarity
0: well i heard one obviously it's from the armpit or where the armpit finishes correct
2: well yeah. it, it, in no it, there's there's a rule, Bridgie, in the Premier League is from where your shirt actually... Well, stopped. that's what I
0: heard. So I I'd, yeah. I'd had
2: a meeting the other week about the MPL and where we're doing it. We were doing it from in, the armpit or whatever. Now the rest of the world, it's the armpit. The yeah, so the the
0: yeah, so you know what's going to happen next season? I'm going to be getting my shirts like the AFL shirts. I'm going to be going for the old, you know, the old um, what what do you call them? Tops, tank tops. Yeah, yeah, or something? yeah the tank tops. There you go, mate. That's how you beat the offside rule. Simple. What a load of crap that is. Yeah. It'll so your shirt sleeve. Yeah. I used to wear long sleeves, John. I'd be offside every week.
2: <laughs> oh no, you know what? It, it. I think it is just getting that clarity into it. Look, the VAR has. Um, has caused a lot of the confusion because you've got more than one person making a decision that that's that's the issue because normally mm-hmm. when it was the referee everyone could point the finger at the referee there's always been bad decisions in the game all the way back to when we were playing we had no var but the referee mm-hmm. and the, the the assistant referee that are getting the offsides wrong or whatever else i can understand with the offside rule we want it black and white and um, I think when it's so close like that, when you're talking about a fingernail, uh, I still think that it should go to the attacking team. The Mm -hmm. benefit of the doubt should go to the attacking team.
0: You know why? Because they've got to be very careful, the Premier League. They've got to be careful. It's all about the speed of the game. They made yeah. this going back for years. When mm-hmm. they they wanted the quick multi ball, they wanted quick decisions to be made. They wanted it to be the fastest league in the world where the ball was in play. Without these, so VR's taken that away a bit because of the the time frame. Also, the the people that are watching, it's about getting goals it's entertainment so when it's that much you're taking away goals you are you're kind of nullifying the enjoyment or taking it away and that's a big thing that I see in Australia and America when I first came I've come from a culture where we have been used to football like a nil-nil draw yeah you might get them games America have got the basketball you've got high scoring games over here you've got rugby league you've got your AFL the high scoring games Fans want to see that. They, 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 to engage them, you've got to give the benefit of the doubt to the to the attacker. Uh, they're coming from two attackers. Obviously, we're going to say that. But I just think for the entertainment and the good of the game, they've got to remember what they were what the Premier League was based on. The speed and the entertainment and making sure that the you know the the, the viewers were getting the product that was promised.
1: Word on Arsenal, John, because they should have never we shouldn't be talking about this. They should have been four 0 up by the time Devil Louise made that mistake.
2: Yep. Yeah, I thought Arsenal were playing really well. I thought yeah. that uh, they were showing what they're capable of doing. They're full of confidence. They're, the football they're playing was was great. Uh, unfortunately, they made that mistake just before halftime, but they should have put the game to bed earlier than that. And they come away with nothing, which which is, is harsh on them. But uh, I think what Arteta needs to do is just keep their confidence up because if they keep on playing that style of football and that way, they'll win more games than they don't.
1: Yeah, Yep. Saka could have had a hat-trick within the first 10 minutes, really. But for Wolves, Xiao Matinho's winner, they will hope changes their season because that was their first win since I think mid-December. So, uh, a massive, massive result for them. Um, just a quick round the grounds before we finish off. Um, we have the FIFA Club World Cup starting on Optus Sport uh, on Friday morning, Australian Eastern Daylight Time, and uh, Liverpool, of course, are the defending holders. And you'd suspect Bayern Munich will uh, follow them, but it's always interesting to see. You never know. Um, and John, I just want to ask. Well, I actually want to ask both of you uh, in terms of uh, former strikers. I want to ask you about Robert Lewandowski because um, looking, doing some research before it, we looked at uh, his goal scoring rate, and it's a little bit like it's a little bit like Messi, Ronaldo. You sort of start to take brilliance for granted he's eight goals clear of anyone else in the big five leagues this season for goals scored 24 in 18 bundesliga games how damn good is he is he underappreciated
2: i don't think he's underappreciated because he still gets voted as well last season he did as the best player in europe um, which i think he was i think in terms of his goal scoring abilities but he's 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 got everything a striker needs. You know, his older play is good. His forward runs are good. He finds space in the box. He's, he's clinical. He's ruthless. He's hardworking. He, he, he's an all-round striker. I think he goes underappreciated a little bit because the main focus for us and for majority of fans around the world is the Premier League. And so yes. you you know that's where he can go underappreciated, but what a goal scorer! Look, he, 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 how can you? I think you can't compare him to a Ronaldo and Messi because they're on another level. Compare but, him to Harry Kane. Who would you take? Lewandowski. I would as well. I'm a
0: Spurs fan. Yeah, and who yeah. would you
1: take? Period. If if you were told this shot or this striker has got ninety minutes to save your life. Would he be the one you t- you took right now?
0: I think he's the John just said he's the all round. He is he epitomizes the number nine at this moment in time. I would have said when there was the two players that played together, Alan Shearer, Chris Sutton had a great combination. I've seen that when it went to the single lone striker as the yeah. number nine, it was a Didier Drogba. Yes, he was the best. Lewandowski at that number nine position is now the best in the world for me. Yep.
1: Yes, interesting I stuff. Agree. Yeah, good stuff. So we'll see Bayern Munich against, uh, well, they, they appear for the first time on Tuesday morning, Australian, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Palmeiras, the South American qualifier, is on Monday morning, Australian Eastern Daylight Time, uh, where Tigres, Ulsan, Al-Duhahil and Ali are the four combatants from across the continent and across the world, sorry, and from Qatar, the hosts uh, aiming to make it to the quarterfinals. Looks like you yeah. want to say something, Bridgie. Just laughing at my I pronunciation. Just,
0: I just didn't know that the, the the FIFA World Cup Championship or whatever it's called was on. So I'm absolutely delighted. I'm just trying to look at my <laughs> schedule and timetable to see it's on up the sports, Bridgie. You should I know that. I know, man. I know that. I should have should have known that. I didn't check it out, and I'm just looking forward because, uh, uh, you know, having no sleep whatsoever through these last three weeks has been absolutely brilliant. Every morning waking up, coffee, bit of breakfast. Even the kids have been getting engaged in the mornings, and um, they've been saying, "Dad, can you do the school run?" No, Daddy is working.
2: <laughs> you it's know what? I, you know what I love, Bridgie, about the FIFA Club World Cup is is the the, the different in styles. You know, yes. you've got to, you know, uh, the Egyptian side that's that that epitomize that north african style of football and then you've got uh you know qatar who you know that middle eastern style then then you've got tigres that have come from mexico that uh, you know that central american that's yeah, got that, that, that flavor they'll have of, a bit of flavor a bit of spice, yeah. and a bit of nastiness yeah 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 and then and then you've got Usan who you know that in korea they've been a force for for a number of years now but uh winning the Asian Champions League. I love the way that they play. They're very good at counterattacking as well. they got quick players up top. So that, that style. And then you've got the Brazilians, you know, that we all love to watch, you know, Palmeiras. So I think that it's, it's going to be interesting. You can't go past Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. And I think that Palmeiras will join them in the final, but I love these quarterfinal sort of games as well, because this is the different cultures that you've got out there. It's,
1: it's one off. And you know what, when you stop and look at it, it just shows how exotic the football world is. Just What you just said there is why this game is better than anything else, because yeah. what a combination and eclectic collection of teams we have uh, in this tournament. Absolutely unreal. And Bridget, we forgive you for not keeping up because while you're digesting all that, there's an entire round of Premier League action coming once we finish Spurs against Chelsea and it begins with you guys on countdown kickoff on Saturday night followed by Aston Villa against Arsenal uh, that is a ter- terrifically competitive game Burnley Brighton relegation 6.0. Well, maybe not for Brighton actually anymore, but those two can go well clear if they do pick up the points. Newcastle against Southampton. That's got some stakes to it
0: too. If Full- there's any match, sorry, Dave, if there's any match that Hasselhoetl wanted after a nine nil defeat. It's Newcastle United. <laughs> Believe you me, that must have been, a, that is an absolute blessing. Uh- is off. it a blessing? Is it a blessing? Of course blessing? it is. He can turn he's that got no players. Yeah. Bearing in mind, Steve Bruce has got all his players at disposal, and he might as well look at his team ship and go, I've got no players neither. He's got, <laughs> he's got to... Maximus. I'm Maximus.
1: Brilliant. I was going to spare you this week talking about Newcastle, Bridgie, because you went in on them very interestingly
2: last week. And oh, they've been hot They had a good win on the weekend, Bridgie. But
1: then Palace, Palace already... Palace destroyed, destroyed them. Yeah. them. Yeah.
2: That was yesterday morning, but they had oh, a good right, win on sorry, the weekend. They it. They they actually it. helped them. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, it's still,
0: I think. <laughs> exactly, I mean, Bridgie, well said. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: moving on. <laughs> Fulham against West Ham, Manchester United against Everton on Sunday morning at the breakfast, 7 o'clock time, Sunday night. Oh, here's one for you, Bridgie. Tottenham against West Brom. Are they going to have 11 plays in each goal and the ball is going to sit in the middle? That's going to be terrific. This will
0: we'll- be decided by a set player, 1-0. Yeah.
1: Yep. Either way. Yep. Wolves against Leicester City. Um, and then it all crescendos to Liverpool against Manchester United, which we spoke about at length a bit earlier. The round finishes with Sheffield United hosting Chelsea on Monday morning. Once you've got over Liverpool versus Manchester City. And a Tuesday morning, pick me up 7am leads against Crystal Palace. There is so, so, so much football. Just one last word before we run, John. I can't help but throw this into you. Because I know how much you love your La Liga. And uh, I just... Found it absolutely fascinating that Ronald Koeman went on the record this week to talk about Lionel Messi's future. We had a bob each way. He said, I'm not confident he's going to stay, but I can't see him playing anywhere else. And this all came amidst the incredible leak of his contract, which came out mind-boggling. I'm dizzy still thinking about it. Um, can have you, have you tried to figure out what's at play here? What's going on?
2: I think what's at play is to actually – it's obviously been leaked from within the club. Now, who? I'm not sure yet, but uh, I'm sure there's a a lot to play out in this. And what they're trying to say is if we do lose Messi, this is the reason why, because we can't afford to keep him. I think that's what's at play. But the thing is, it's unfair on Messi because – He didn't hold a gun to anyone's head when they offered him the contract or they're sorting out a contract. Obviously they thought they could pay that money. He is worth every single penny because they actually thought that uh, as a club, we can afford that. The finances haven't been there. COVID's hit them hard. And I think that's why they've leaked this, but um how good did Messi reply by scoring a great free kick against Athletic Bilbao on the weekend to win that game? And then also this morning, they were 2-0 down mm. against Granada in the quarterfinals with five minutes to go, Bridgie Comes back to 2-2. They end up winning 5-3 in extra time. To keep Messi happy, they need to win titles. To keep Messi there, I think if they start winning titles now, they're in the semifinal of the Copa del Rey. they got every opportunity of going all the way. I think think that he might stay I think that's what kuman's trying to say that I can't see him in another shirt because he's always been at Barcelona welcome uh, to the
0: city group mr. Messi
2: that's all yeah, I'm saying
0: yeah I look you look you know you know why John he wouldn't look right in the same shirt without a shirt it wouldn't look the same I believe the bigger picture for him is that city group he knows that there's other places that he can potentially play and go-to to still reap money. And I think they will be using him as an ambassador for years to come.
2: Yeah, I, I think with, the, with all that, he wants to win more trophies. And if he doesn't see that he's capable of doing that with Barcelona in winning Champions League, and I don't think they are. They are not. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, you know. I think that PSG and City are the two favourites because yeah. with PSG, he feels that with Neymar there, Mbappe there, um, Pochettino being the Argentinian uh, that could actually bring him across. And with City, with Guardiola, you, you know, you can't underestimate what uh, Guardiola and Chiqui bergerstein the football mm. director who was at Barcelona when Messi was there. You can't underestimate that power, pulling power as well. I don't think it's about money for Messi. I think it's about winning trophies. Well, that's because he's
1: got enough, clearly.
2: <laughs> yeah, he definitely got <laughs> enough money, but he's deserved every penny. He's one of the best players in the history of the game. I best don't player care. I have ever yeah. watched. Yeah, yeah. I don't care what he way. earns. Yeah, And he it.
1: we want to see him in his best space for the final years to come. We will talk more about that, of course, because if you can believe it next, next week's Gag and Pod will be the last before the Champions League resumes. So we're going to have a bit of a look ahead there and we can't wait for that. Um, it'll be John, John yourself and Brett Holman, who's going to join us for his Gag and Pod debut, which will be great to hear about his experiences playing at that level as well Bridgie you're going to have a week off because you're doing about everything else that's going on and off the sport over the next week so enjoy that and we'll see you when the Champions League rolls around thanks again for your time today been a good fun as always
0: thank you very much boys enjoy next week I'll be listening as always um, and yeah thank you all listeners God bless
1: and John you take care enjoy the deluge of football and we'll do it all again next week
2: thanks I can't wait
1: and to everyone out there, as ever, hope you're keeping up with the football. And if you're not, hope this helped you get through it a little bit. And as ever, until the next Gagin Pod, take care and enjoy football. Planning for your next trip.